Okay, everybody, welcome back to the episode, The Takedown. And uh, I, today, am very excited to have my guest. His name is Daniel. You know him on Twitter. And I always say Twitter because that's the only social media I'm on as Grimhood. What's the other one? Magnesium Poppy? Is that the other one? <laughs> yeah, Magnesium Poppy. There you go. And we're going to get into all this stuff. But uh, I'm very excited to have you on, man. And I'll tell you what, we, we um, have been Twitter pals for a while. I love following this guy. Um, we were talking before we got on air here, and I was telling him he had a, a um, well, obviously he, he knows he's the one that started the thread on Twitter, but um, he had posted something last week, I believe, about what have you learned from my account, and I'm reading it, and I, I told him before we record, I'm like, you know, dozens of things, but I'm excited to have him on. The guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing excellent. Um, just been busy with work and uh helping people every day that's that's what i enjoy doing <laughs> that's awesome man and, and we appreciate you for what you do and uh, i'll tell you what's really cool man you know me personally and i don't know about you i guess you can share this with us and i would love to hear kind of your story because i know you have a, an amazing story but uh you know for me i got on twitter i think five or six years ago because somebody had told me i should be on social media i never had yeah. facebook i never had anything like that and um, I kind of got on it just because somebody, and then you meet all these people and you start learning a bunch of stuff and then, you know, people can trash social media. Um, and I get that it has its pitfalls, but you know, you, I meet people like you and a lot of other people and you learn a ton. So we have a lot to talk about obviously, but if you wouldn't mind, um, I know you speak sometimes on social media, kind of about your story, your, your walk with health. Would you mind sharing a little bit of that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Thank so you. From a very young age, I had began displaying symptoms of uh, like depression, anxiety, whatnot, about like five years old. And then at 13 years old, I began experiencing uh, hallucinations, delusions, paranoia. And then at 16, I was eventually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And my life essentially spiraled once I was placed on dozens of medications like antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, antidepressants, uh, just various ones. And my body rejected all of them. I responded very poorly. And that sent me down a path where I was very susceptible to drug use because of I, I just had no relief for those symptoms. So it continued on until about 2017 when the drug use and the malnutrition, the schizophrenia, it got to a point where I began to experience uh, brain damage, but I was not in a cognitive state to be able to process that. And then it eventually got to the point where I began experiencing absence seizures. And then one morning I woke up on, uh, I think it was December 6th of 2017. And I woke up and immediately went into a grand mal seizure. And I was without oxygen for about six or seven minutes. My body was entirely purple. My ex-girlfriend at the time didn't think I was going to make it, but they were able to uh, revive me when the, uh, the firefighters and the paramedics came to my apartment. So that started the journey. Um, I really had no knowledge about nutrition. I was very skeptical about it being of any benefit. <laughs> and then uh, I experienced the hypoxic traumatic brain injury from that uh, duration without oxygen. So I began experiencing symptoms of early onset dementia, where I was not really able to function whatsoever. I had no memory. When I had woken up in the, in the hospital, I didn't know my own name. I didn't know the, the ex-girlfriend. Like I had no memory of her whatsoever. We had been together for like six or seven years. And then I, it, it was just like this, this stasis that I was in 
uh, I wasn't really able to take care of myself at all. And then I reached out to this biohacking group that I had been a member of for quite a few years already. So there were a bunch of different responses in regards to uh, these experimental nootropics, these neurotrophics, um, these various peptides. But I, I, I mean, I was open to it because I didn't really have any other hope. I was like, okay, uh, if this works out, then awesome. But I, I was just like very, was very suicidal because of this experience. So uh, there was this one man with a Hanuman avatar and Hanuman had been a very uh, important factor in my life because of my grandmother and my older brother. So <laughs> that, that immediately stood out to me. But what he had described was this entire, entire dietary framework, uh, various herbal medicines, and then megadose magnesium. So I was, I, I got curious. I ordered what I could. I, I didn't have very much money at the time. And immediately when I dissolved about a tablespoon of that magnesium chloride in a glass of water and drank it, I experienced uh, a silence in my thoughts for the first time in my life without a very extensive, complex drug cocktail. So that, that immediately gave me hope. And then once I began making changes in my diet, eliminating all these uh, junk foods, the uh, refined sucrose, the vegetable oil and seed oils and whatnot, it, it, it was a very gradual process, but I began noticing uh, differences almost immediately. And then within about six to eight months, in combination with the herbal medicines that he had recommended, I stopped experiencing seizures. I stopped experiencing the psychosis and I was able to manage the drug cravings that I had experienced for so long. So I continued on with what I was doing. And then about a year or two in, um, I, I had switched, I had transitioned to a ketogenic diet from a vegan diet. Uh, and then that was a great, great benefit. And um, yeah, so the, the herbal medicines, uh, were designed to induce a state of neurogenesis via increasing the neurotrophic factors, BDNF, NGF, GDNF, and so on and so forth. So I experienced long-term relief, uh, over time as my brain began regenerating and repairing. And now I don't experience any seizures. I don't experience any like psychotic symptoms whatsoever. No drug cravings, none of the depression or anxiety. So I just like to be able to share all of the knowledge that I've acquired through my own research and work, as well as my own personal experiences with, with others so that they may also experience a similar quality of life. And I have now helped about several thousand people uh, on, on Twitter alone. Uh, I, I'm in various online groups aside from the Twitter, but uh, it's it's been incredible. Like it, it it's still <laughs> it it's still something that is like wow. Uh, it it's it, it it feels difficult to believe even for myself because yeah. like with the psychosis, I would experience um, feeling better for a while, but it, it was just part of the delusions. And then I would slip back up into that cycle. And for the longest time, I thought th that was what it was, I was experiencing, but it never slipped back up. So now I run my own business. I am back in school. Um, and I, I, I'm every day I'm able to do what I enjoy doing is researching uh, and helping people. It, it's something that I've always wanted to do my entire life, but I was not not functioning enough to be able to do so. Right, man, that's incredible. What do you What do you uh, back to school for? Can I ask? Uh, I, I, I'm I'm finishing up the uh, 
uh, nutrition course. And then um, I'm going to be going back to uh, college for biochemistry specifically. Nice. Nice. And I, and my opinion is, you know, biochemistry well already, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I've yeah. been, I had been researching it since about like 12 or 13 years old. It's been a uh, passion for me. So a, a very, very long time that I've been into the biochemistry and pharmacology. Wow. And uh, along the way, when you, when you start experiencing this, well, I mean, I, I guess it was from a young age, had anybody along the way outside of you know, you yourself and, and the people that you've mentioned, any, any of the, the traditional physicians that you saw, did anybody have any thoughts on, on cause or causes or offer you anything along those lines? Or was it just medication? It was all medication. So I, I have the genetics for like, once I analyzed my own, uh, the gene sequence, I found dozens and dozens of, uh, SNPs specifically geared towards schizophrenia and then autism, but I, I had never been formally diagnosed with autism. So I, I was displaying the symptoms, but I became very distrustful after the, my body rejected all those medications. I was just very distrust, distrustful of psychiatry, psychiatry in general. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, I asked that question specifically because even in other instances, people would they have a history of, of certain things and recovering usually they they say the same thing they were at maybe they went the conventional medical route and it didn't help them and through their own works and their own researching they they found their way and you know i gotta add well that maybe that's a nice little segue into into the next thing i think because you're besides the fact that you have a good a good mind for for healthcare and biochemistry. I also think your take about, you know, I guess maybe more so your philosophy on healthcare is also spot on, in my opinion. So, what, in, in your opinion, when when somebody says healthcare to you, what 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 do you hear when somebody says healthcare? With uh, the the general population, uh, their understanding of healthcare is just propaganda. But from my understanding, uh, it's a holistic approach. So that means not just targeting one symptom or one organ system at a time, but uh, targeting the entire body because everything is interacting with itself. Um, and then you have to account for the downstream, uh, the downstream cascades and interactions that occur. And it, it just, the biology, the human biology is much more complex than uh, a lot of doctors and scientists have connected so far. And I, I what I, what has been effective for me is combining uh, the traditional Chinese herbal medicine modalities, their whole uh, framework for diet, the organ systems, herbal medicines, and then Ayurvedic medicine with my understanding of modern biochemistry and pharmacology. Right. So that's, that's what's been absolutely life-changing for me. Um, and uh, as well as the thousands of others, like uh, I, I can't even count how many times people have been like, I, I've been to so many doctors, nobody's been able to help me. And then I just, I, I'll like, in a, a few tweets, I'll share something with them. And then they come back a couple of weeks later and they're like, wow, I've never experienced no anxiety, no depression, no intrusive thought, like various, various symptoms. And there's just so much more hope available to every single person than we've been led to believe today. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I was speaking with a patient last week. He was telling me about his wife 12 years ago who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She's supposed to live three months. She's still alive yeah. and they can't, they can't find any cancer. Now, now some, some, some of her doctors are saying, well, you, you, you probably never had it. Well, <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the imaging and the blood work showed otherwise 12 years ago, you know, and I think my point is that the body is truly amazing, man. And for, from a healthcare provider's perspective, um, 
I don't think that there isn't that we that we honor that enough. You know what I mean? Um, allowing the body. You know, one of my mentor, one of my mentors said that health, and this was his opinion, but he said healthcare or becoming healthier is more of maybe removing than adding. You know, and obviously there's yeah. certain situations where you know adding is like look magnesium for example. I mean, what percentage of the population is deficient of magnesium? I mean, uh, about 80 to 95 percent. It's it's a good pop. It's a, it's a good number. <laughs> right. I mean, that's almost everybody. And I mean, that's 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 yeah. that's insane. And, and how dangerous being deficient in that is. So obviously, in a situation like that, you would want I mean, I take two grams a day, you know, yeah. um, but I think when you have these other things, for example, um, you know, eliminating the, the bad. Right. You want to you want to try to remove the causative factors. So I guess, you know, with healthcare my views line up with yours. Um, what, what do you think about, you mentioned downstream and I, and I love that. Um, this, this, and this is like my thought about healthcare as a philosophy as well, when you mentioned downstream and I'll, and I'll say this and you can kind of um, go from there. The same guy that I mentioned, one of my mentors, he said that imagine fishing and you're on a riverbank and all of a sudden you see the fish slowly moving towards you, but they're all dead. They're all floating on, on, on top of the water. The first thing you're probably going to ask yourself is what the heck happened upstream? Yeah. Was, was, <laughs> it, was there, was there some, you know, was there a chemical spill? Was there an explosion, something, but that's, what's going to come to mind. So in my opinion, it, that's a good way to go look at healthcare as well. Yes. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, all right, now let's get into, Let's get into magnesium and your, and I know that this is different for everybody. And I think this is important, right? Um, what in your opinion, and again, I understand this different is the average American dosage wise as considering the standard American living. Oh, uh, so, uh, I'm inclined to agree with uh, Mildred Seelig, PhD, and Carolyn Dean, MD, the two leading magnesium experts in the world today, regarding uh, vastly increased um, RDA. So the guideline that I found most effective for people was about five milligrams of elemental magnesium per pound of body weight or 10 milligrams per kilogram. And uh, like the 400 milligram dosage is just set very arb arbitrarily and it doesn't account for like uh, sex, activity levels, uh, stress levels, any of that, which all increase the demand for magnesium. So my intake is quite higher than the essentially anyone that I've come across and I don't recommend others right. immediately take this amount, but I take about 15 grams a day of various forms, magnesium chloride and magnesium glycinate, and then uh, acetate and bicarbonate as well. And like all, all of the scientific literature suggests that I should have died from kidney failure uh, experience bone loss from the calcium dysregulation, but I've, I've never been healthier than I am today. And I don't experience any detriment. Um, yeah. So like the, the understanding of magnesium is just, it, it's, I don't think it's correct at all today. Um, so I, that, that's, that's been one of the major factors that I've been trying to share about because, all of these factors within uh, modern society today, the NN, NNEMF, the blue light exposure, uh, just stress in general from being in a major city or whatnot, uh, poor diet, uh, drug and medication usage, these all tie into an increased magnesium demand because they contribute to the depletion. So, Factor that in with the depleted soil, which is about 80% of the nutrient content found about uh, 60 years ago 
So th there's a major, major difference in uh, the nutrition that we're intaking from food. Like we could be eating the same foods that our great grandparents had been eating, but it's nothing alike from what it was uh, then. Right. <clears throat> what What is your What are your thoughts on nutrition? And I and I know people talk a lot about species appropriate diet. Um, I don't think that humans are carnivores. I don't think that we're herbivores. I am more inclined. My opinion is now I did do the carnivore diet. I've never been plant-based, but I, I did do the carnivore diet for about a year. Um, I am more of the mindset of seasonal eating. Um, I do, yes. I do do time restricted feeding. I do eat carbohydrates. Um, I do early time, like I mentioned, early time restricted feeding and, and, and depending on the season, you know, for now, like where I'm at, I live in the North and, you know, fall and winter time where I am is kind of dreary around here. Um, but now, you know, it gets dark at nine o'clock at night. It's, it's moving into summer where this is the time, you know, we're given a little bit more grace with fruits and vegetables this time, you know, maybe winter time, not as much, but that's kind of where I, I line up with that. Um, what are your thoughts on all that? I mean, cause there's a lot of the diet war. So what, what do you think about all that? Yeah. So I, I'm also inclined to agree with you as well. Um, if you're unable to digest either the meats or the plants, that is a sign of sickness, um, an underlying dysfunction that can be corrected for. There, there's a lot of extremism in uh, nutrition today. Right. And there should be more of a balance. So from my viewpoint, my diet primarily consists of meats, eggs, seafoods, dairy, and then I utilize the fruits, raw honey, uh, rice, the tubers, um, and the fermented uh, vegetables as more so herbal medicines because they have active constituents that impact the body. And uh, many people don't account for that because they're just called vegetables, meaning they don't have any uh, any any purpose or beyond just basic nutrition right so <clears throat> it, it's it's very similar to essentially any other herbal medicine say asparagus for example will support your uh your liver detox function via glutathione so there's a lot that you can do with targeted nutrition with food medicines if you look at it from that perspective and yeah, I, I just, I, I don't think there should be so much extremism. There should be a fine balance in an omnivorous diet. Uh, that's, that's how I believe that we evolved. Like sure. we weren't just specifically eating meats or specifically eating vegetables and fruits. We were eating anything that we could acquire. Like we're not just going to starve. Like right. a lot of people don't account for, account for that. Right. Right. And I, I think that's a great point that you make. Um, even along with, with the food. Now, obviously, you know, and I, I have personally lots of examples of this, you know, clinically, and I'm sure that you do as well, where um, I, had, I had a guy a while back who had constant lower abdominal pain, three years daily abdominal pain. Yeah. They, they diagnosed him with diverticulitis and, and his GI doc said, just take a bunch of Metamucil and it, and it made him worse. Oh. And, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, hold time out, man. You know, that's not what you want to do. You want to go the opposite direction. And um, he did. And within three days, he was pain free. And I think after maybe about eight months, um, when they when they did a colonoscopy, he was clear. And obviously, there are cases like that. But you know, what else is too is interesting to me is when you hear a lot of people talk about a species appropriate diet, Outside of you and a few others, I don't hear too many people talking about a species appropriate lifestyle. You know, yeah. um, I understand that nutrition is a very attractive topic and a lot of people in nutrition there is, is messed up and I get it. But what about our light environment? You know? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So in terms of that, like the daily sunlight exposure has just been phenomenal for my health especially living in Arizona, uh, 
would get sun all year long. So, so nice. with the uh, the NM uh, EMF from all the electronics, the uh, computers, uh, cell phones, and whatnot, and then the blue light and artificial light, specifically after sunset, throws off the entire circadian rhythm, and then that impacts the entire rest of the body downstream uh, again. So that alone is having a major, major impact on yeah, people's health as well as their digestion and energy metabolism. And people don't account for this and they try to target the downstream issue of nutrition right. when light is one of the most important factors. And not to mention like activity, exercise and whatnot, but right. <clears throat> the, the light has been it, it's it's a means of uh, correcting a lot of the genetic abnormalities that people experience because a lot of these SMPs that are analyzed with the gene sequences are merely adaptations to the light environment and our uh, general environment. So it's it's not like a death sentence if you have if you possess genetics for something. Mm -hmm. So. It's your diet, lifestyle, and environment that will cause these genetics to express. Right. Like you can still possess them, but they can be turned off if you are accounting for all of these factors properly. I agree. And I, I had, I talked a little bit about that recently. <clears throat> the past, and you had, I remember you commenting, um, past couple years, man, something that we've seen more and more of is young non-smokers with, with lung cancer. Yeah. Now, um, like I said, where I am, I'm in the Northeast. I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh, basically in the Pittsburgh area, you know, lots of pollution around here. This was a, this was mill central, you know what I mean? Still mill central. <laughs> and, uh, and I've seen a lot of that. And, and like you said, I mean, can, can we put a number on it? I mean, maybe we can, maybe we can't for what percentage of, of these things are, are environmental. You know, like you talk about MTHFR and all these other things. People ask me to test them for that all the time. Yeah. Um, but my response is typically what you said. It's, it's, not, it's not like carved in stone death sentence type of a situation. Um, it's your environment. I guess my question is, in your opinion, outside, you know, obviously we can, for the most part, control what we're putting into into our mouths to eat we can move um we can avoid you know i don't put anything on my body you know my my i rarely wear deodorant and and if i do it's the clean we make our own you know what i mean yeah. i don't i use fluoride toothpaste um i use tea tree oil stuff to wash my head and my body um what do you how how, how much of this is not under our control you know what i mean um, do you think a small amount isn't a, a moderate amount? The only thing that would not be in our control is the um, the the majority of it is our in our control, like the activity levels, the diet, the eliminating all these inflammatory food triggers, and then the only thing that wouldn't really be in our control unless you move would be the light environment, right. or. Um, the cell towers and, and uh, the 5G or whatever. Right. So, yeah. So uh, the, the way that I look at it is there's always a counter for everything that we experience. And at the very least, you can mitigate the impact of that environment. So take the, I, I have cell towers all over where I live. Um, and I, I've, I've actually, uh, encounter them directly because I was curious about what impact they would have on the body. And it, it's very uncomfortable. But uh, so for example, the, the, one of the reasons why I'm so adamant about the magnesium is because of the EMF and the blue light exposure triggering the uh, calcium ion channel hyperactivation. And then that depletes magnesium. So the magnesium and surplus is a means of the body to protect itself and mitigate the impact of that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I know before you had mentioned the things that 
will deplete magnesium, you know, the, the lousy diet, which you're talking about, the uh, yeah. NNEMF. Um, how about things like coffee, alcohol? I mean, big, yes. big effect on magnesium? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, essentially, any drug that you put into your body will have an impact on your nutrition status because these biological processes that take place uh, because of the consumption of these substances requires nutritional building blocks to occur whatsoever. And when you're consuming these substances on a daily or even regular basis, and you're not consuming enough to make up for it, you will eventually run into issues with uh, depletion or deficiency. And I see that all the time. I ask people, uh, what are you eating? What substances are you consuming? Are you very physically active? For example, you sweat out the electrolytes as well. Right. So it's usually not that great of a diet. It's usually I'm on my phone all the time up until bedtime. Uh, my activity levels are either very high or very low. And I, I'm inside all day. Uh, right. So you, 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 you can make these changes and it has a positive impact on your nutrition status because you're not depleting everything on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And then the body is able to heal and repair itself with these nutritional building blocks going into the processes that should be occurring if there wasn't so much inflammation, deficiency, and oxidative stress. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, especially what you mentioned before about the, you know, the magnesium surplus is kind of like a life, like a life preserver. If the lifestyle yes. don't, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on um, time restricted feeding? Is that something that, that you're a fan of that you recommend depending on the situation of person? Uh, a lot of people talk about cortisol, thyroid function with, with, prolonged periods without eating. Um, what, do, what do you think? Uh, I, I think a lot of the general understanding of the time-restricted eating is just nonsense. Like people will regurgitate the same thing over and over again. And uh, so uh, more recently, I had to stop with the time-restricted eating because I wasn't able to consume enough calories within that, that time span. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to put on a mask for the time being. So yeah, it, it's a very, very useful tool in the modern environment today. It, it's not a necessary thing. Like you don't have to keep your eating window to eight hours to be healthy. You can, you can still be healthy through other means, but right. you still need to be mindful of your actions, your intake and your environment, for example. Right. So yeah, that, that covers that. Yeah, it absolutely that does. That. Yeah. I, you know, me, me, I've talked to a few people that um, have embarked on some sort of time-restricted feeding, whether it was, like you said, a 16-8 situation, 20-4 to 4 situation. Um, my wife and I currently, every weekend, we do a two-day fast. Now, that isn't, that's only because, believe it or not, it's more or less that she brought it up about a year or so ago. And she's like, what do you think about doing this? It's more like something that we do together on the weekend, just to kind of, and we, we eat well, we do. Um, it's not like we're, yeah. we're, we're, you know, we have some huge, you know, we don't eat two pizzas and say, well, we're not going to eat for two days because we feel bad about it. We just, that's just something that we do. Um, yeah. But I've talked to people that have had, you know, subjectively they've had things like I talked to a gal recently. She said that um, she was having like muscle fasciculations in her calves. And, um, you know, we kind of tweaked her electrolytes and I kind of said, you know, maybe open up the window a little bit, but I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and with, with it, you don't have to do it. I know there's a lot of people in the, in the healthcare world who say the same thing, right? Well, it's, well, you don't have to do it, you know, if, uh, uh, but even, even like the low carb situation, I'll tell you what, man, I'm not, I'm not anti-carb. I'm not at all. Um, I, yeah. I think relatively speaking, I'm super low carb. If you take, the sad diet into it, you know? Um, <laughs> but some days I'll eat 125, 150 grams of carbs. Um, yeah. 
but what I see mostly, and again, I guess this comes back to bio-individuality in, in the situation, um, somebody who doesn't have a lot of lean muscle, somebody who's insulin resistant, they're, they're heavy, they're over fat. Um, it seems that low carbohydrate diets, you know, maybe if you, as long as you get your protein, you get your protein in and I'm, and I'm, I yeah. tend to line up with more where Ted Naiman is with the fat thing. Um, if you're the standard American, right. Who has yeah. a, already has a bunch of fat, but you know, again, that just to the individual and we always have labs and we have history that we that we can work with. But um, yeah, it's very, very interesting to, to hear people's thoughts on the time restricted feeding thing. And there's lots of guys and, and gals that I respect greatly that, you know, and even me more now, my, my, I do eat in a, in a small window. It's just earlier in the day. And it seems for my sleep, heart rate variability, it's just better for me. It just works better. Yeah. Well, the, the, I had recently posted a thread about that. Um, eating specifically during the sunlight hours has a positive impact on the way that you digest and metabolize that energy. So what I had s suggested was um, keeping your eating window in the daytime and then fasting throughout the night. So your body, the majority of the detox and repair processes occur during sleep. Right. So if you don't have food in your stomach for all that blood and nutrition to work into digestion, your body will be able to target all these other organ systems and other factors. So yeah, that's definitely um, the way to go in terms of the uh, time-restricted eating. And then like uh just to add on to the the previous question was um the the fasting and the time restricted eating has been a major component throughout our history uh, in major religions for example with ramadan um it, it definitely has a very positive impact on the body but uh it, it, everything is dependent on context Right. Context is the most important thing that many people overlook. They just say, this is the rule. This is how right. it's supposed to be. Right. But the context is what's most important. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree wholeheartedly. So let's talk about, um, I guess how our, our lifestyle, I'm talking, you know, what we do physically, I guess, exercise, you know, a lot of people who, who, who exercise or train, you know, they'll tell you, hey, after I train, I feel good. I feel really good emotionally. And, and the, I guess maybe now the connection between physical, I, I guess, eating in, in, in that sense or even physical exercise and how much that affects our, our mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that, that's something, too. I mean, in your opinion, that's how, how does that tie into all this? Or, or when you're working with your people, do you touch on, on, on that, the 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 mind body connection, because I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's funny, Grim, I'll, I'll talk to people and it seems like what they're doing physically for themselves is really good. Yeah. But they're stress balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, they're constantly, they're wound so tight. And, you know, I'm even guilty of this too, where I'm just like, holy crap. You know, if I have a piece of dark chocolate, I'm like, well, this has seven grams of carbohydrates in it. Am I cool if I eat this? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people with their wound so tight. Um, do you get into that with your people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the impact of the, the exercise, for example, uh, contributes to neurogenesis, the, the brain and nervous system repair. So that, that it, it definitely ties into uh, a lot of the people that I work with. Um, yeah. And then it's an, it's just really an excellent form of stress relief. Everyone is so stressed just from the environment itself, not to mention their work, people around them. It's a, it's a really excellent way to blow off that steam. So you're able to re remain stable emotionally, for example, and mentally. So yeah, it, it, it's definitely something that I, I touch on in my, uh, my coaching sessions, for right. example. And do you see a couple well, a couple questions? Number one is, do you see a lot? Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that you do. If not, I apologize. But the first question is, do you see a lot of, of your, of your um, 
clients with anxiety, depression, number one, and number two, what do you think, in my opinion, there's potentially several reasons for this, but what do you think the biggest reasons for that is these days, um, anxiety, depression? So the underlying uh, mechanisms involved are very similar between essentially all psychiatric and neurological conditions. The light environment plays a big role, but uh, I, I've noticed that it's primarily the dietary factors. So for example, the refined sucrose, the caffeine, the alcohol, mm -hmm. uh, even uh, some uh, plant foods, for example, the lectins can trigger some of these symptoms. So it's just a process of elimination and the majority of people can, I don't think there's any case of depression or anxiety that can't be resolved. I don't believe that chronic depression or anxiety is a normal human state. It's an indication of something wrong in the body. So the underlying biochemistry involved is largely tied into the gap and glutamate balance for example, because that drives the inflammation and oxidative stress, which are other factors. Uh, and then nutrition. So uh, de nutritional deficiencies, like I had mentioned, there's all these factors that deplete them. Mm -hmm. And if you're not mindful of your intake, it's very unlikely that you are at a repleted level or a stable level in terms of those nutrients. So yeah, like I, I, there, there's been a lot of people that uh, like I've, I've worked with a few bodybuilders, for example, they are otherwise healthy, but their diet is not dialed in mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the necessary nutrition. So yeah. they, they're eating to bulk, they're eating to cut or uh, and then their physical activity is obviously on, on point, but they're still experiencing these symptoms and mm -hmm. uh Yeah, there's there's always a solution to these problems from my experiences. Right. Yeah, that's and it, and it's wild. You know, I, I I think back to when I was younger. You know, I was a kid, and I'll be 45 this year, and um, lots of things I question. You know, I question what why all why all of a sudden in the past maybe decade Lyme disease is is so rampant. I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like. When we were kids, we were outside all the time. Nobody ever had Lyme. We saw rarely saw ticks. Yeah, um, yeah. that's that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, these allergies to to all these allergies to um, not necessarily like uh, what's outside, but like these food allergies. Nobody had to sit in the in the hallway when I was a kid having their lunch. You yeah. know what I mean? Because so, I just to me here's here's my here's my thoughts, and I like I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. There's lots of environmental things that that have changed over the past maybe century or, or, or several, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and including our food too. But man, it seems like everybody since like the 1960s got really, really fat and really, really sick and anxious. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of like, obviously in my opinion, there are reasons for this. Um, it's just, how, how do we go about starting you know taking health history and then identifying what somebody's biggest issue is and just kind of going from there you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah so what i do in my coaching sessions is i i have like a whole general list of questions just to get a full i like a full picture of their past what they're doing now and um all those important facts so for example like major medical history, any surgeries, illness, uh, trauma, even uh, these all tie into the nutrition status, your stress levels, your biochemistry. Uh, how do you how you react to positive and negative stimuli emotionally? That ties into it. Uh, diet now and during childhood. Um, yeah, I, I go through a whole general list of questions regarding that. But uh, something else that I haven't touched on yet was the, you had mentioned the 1960s. Around the 1940s was when they began uh, fortifying the flour and the wheat with iron. 
unbound iron shavings. And this, uh, the, the iron is one of the greatest uh, inflammatory and oxidative factors on the entire planet if it's not bound to these uh, enzymes within the body. So I think that ties into a lot of this. And then the agricultural toxins, the xenoestrogens, they all have an impact on your biochemistry and how you feel. So it's not just the physical health, but also right. the mental and emotional health. Right. So like, like you had mentioned, eliminating these factors to the greatest extent of your ability, like they're obviously not going to be, you, you will get neurotic if you, if you right. try to eliminate everything every single day. So there has to be a fine balance between that, but eliminating as much as you can without getting to that neurotic point will have a positive impact on anybody's health yes because we didn't have all these factors throughout our evolution and we were also outside all day long we weren't slathering our skin with the xenoestrogenic sunscreens and all this nonsense that we're using today and is being pushed onto us you know you were saying something and that's why i i if you saw me over here make a note the emotional tie-in or the emotional trauma relationship with, with physical disease. And I'll give you a couple examples. Um, like you, our health history, in my opinion, is very, very detailed. You know, we ask people everything from were you vaginally delivered to yeah. how many amalgam fillings do you have in your mouth and everything, yes. in, be and everything in between. But something, and I'll tell you what, man, it's mostly with our cancer patients. And I ask them this, I mean, I ask everybody this, but it's almost 100%. And, I'll, and again, I'm in no way saying that this is the only thing I, that would be silly of me to say that because there are lots of things that can make us sick. But I'll tell you what, yeah. um, I've, I've heard these people where they had some major emotional trauma or some event in their life. And soon thereafter, they, they, they were diagnosed with cancer. Um, shortly there, within months, I'm talking about, you know what I mean? And I've been researching and looking into it. And I actually ordered a book. I'm going to start reading when it gets here about all this. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on all that? Just, just generally. So the emotional trauma ties into the GABA and glutamate factor. Uh, glutamate and calcium go hand in hand. And uh, with the uh, glutamate and hypercalcium activation, it crashes the mitochondrial function. And then that's the main factor that I've found to be relevant in terms of cancers was the mitochondrial function, the body's ability to process the energy we intake and deal with our environment. So when that crashes, all hell breaks loose. Right. Uh, there is, and then that's also dependent on the nutrition status, like all these other factors that right. we've discussed so far, right. also tie into that susceptibility. But with high calorie malnutrition being so prevalent today, the body is unable to process that emotional trauma. And then that that's one of the things that I'm so adamant about on Twitter is uh, maintaining a nutritional surplus and maintaining redox status. So you're actually able to process these emotions and the stress and everything that we're, that is thrown at us on a daily, daily basis. Right. Yeah. That's, that's uh, the mitochondria, man. The mit mitochondriacs, right. You know what I mean? That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's awesome stuff. It, what, what, like I said, man, it's just really, I think that, um, you know, like I had mentioned and I, I think that you do a fantastic job of this, even written on, you know, written on or typed on Twitter. You know what I mean? Just the, the, the physical, emotional, spiritual aspect, whether, whether you know, spiritual doesn't have to mean a, a God, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But just having all these things lined up, because I, what I find interesting is, and this is why, in my opinion, it's important that people find somebody like you is because you know, you have special specialists, you have maybe a nutritionist, or you have a dietitian, or, or you have a cardiologist or a gastroenterologist. Yeah, or, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. But 
you, if you have somebody that can kind of put the pieces to help you put the pieces together, I think it's a win because somebody like you, and I see this again in my practice, look, I have nine staff, I have physicians, RNs, NPs, medical assistants. Most everybody that comes in just doesn't have one an issue with one aspect of their lifestyle. Now, by no means do I think that everybody's an expert at everything, but I think like you, somebody like you, excuse me, that you are knowledgeable enough and you have enough life experiences where you can tie these things together. And I think that's very, very important because in my opinion, that's what people need, right? Um, My model is, you know, I, the first meeting with me is two hours long. You know, I don't have seven minute meetings in my clinic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's usually two hours for me too. <laughs> so and, and that's the way that it should be, right? So I just, I think that what you're doing, man, is fantastic. Um, and, and I really appreciate you coming on here. Before we go, brother, where can people find you? Social media, websites? So my website is Grimm's Apothecary, G-R-I-M-M-S apothecary.net. And then my Twitter page is Grimhood. That's with one M G R I M H O O D. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's typically where I, I'm most active on. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm open to anyone uh, contacting me if they come across this. If you need any help or just even support, I'm available i'm as available as i i can be with the amount of people that i work with on a daily basis gotcha perfect well my friend listen it's been an honor having you on i appreciate it thank you and i will talk to you soon my friend thank you thank you for having me my pleasure